Yo, yo, welcome to the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jacques Slade. Uh, I'm happy to have you guys here. We got a really good show for you today. We got some topics that we really want to dig into to ask you guys about. But, you know, again, this show isn't just about me and what I think. We have some really, uh, I'm going to say illuminating. Uh, I'm going to use the word intelligent. Uh, I'm going to say fascinating. And, and, and you know what? I'm going to go with captivating as well. Um, these, these two individuals are next level when it comes. Not, and, you know, not just sneakers. They're just good people in general and that's why i have them on this show uh i'm talking about the one are the two and tunely the two and two only the only i'm talking about tiffany and nick uh they're on they're on this show as well and uh they really make this show pop nick go ahead and tell them where they can find you (laughs) uh nick engvall n-i-c-k-e-n-g-v-a-l-l on all platforms and uh yeah i'm just excited to be back it feels good to to get to talk to my two friends here and um i don't know i don't know if we can live up to all those uh, extenuating words that jacques used but hopefully we can so tiffany why don't you introduce yourself i'm tiffany beers uh you can find me on instagram and youtube at tiffany beers t-i-f-f-a-n-y-b-e-e-r-s and i agree that was a lot of adjectives (laughs) a lot of adjectives for the show Hey, you know what? I just give out the facts here on the show, and uh, those are hashtag. Those are hashtag facts. Uh, so let's get this show started. Uh, first, as always, I just want to thank the audience for paying attention to what we have to say, listening to us. Whether you're on your way to work, whether uh, you're listening to us and you shouldn't be, and you're doing your instead of doing your homework, or uh, if you should be working and instead. You're uh, laughing at all of my amazing dad jokes. Uh, and that's what you know, that we appreciate that. And uh, you can also find us all over the internets at Outside Pods. That's on the Twitters and on the Instagrams, uh, in case you were wondering how social media savvy we are. Um, let's kick this show off with the top 10 best-selling sneakers of February. And there are some surprises in this list. Um, so I, let's, let's just play a little game. Uh, have both of you seen this list already, or can I ask you some questions about it and just kind of reveal it to it at, to you guys as we go? I glanced uh, at it, but I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, I, I looked at it. So you got it. Okay, <laughs> okay. All right. So okay, ruin the game. Great guys. Thanks. Uh, so much for those. So adjectives. first of all, yeah, yeah. So so much for those that those compliments. Um, so first, looking at the list, one thing that I do notice is there are no. Uh, it's one brand basically. It's all Nike basically. Nike and well, Nike and Jordan. I get. Can we call? Okay, let's. Can we? Can we just say all one brand? Can we just say Nike when we refer to Jordan, or do we have to say Nike and Jordan? Is like what's what's the official ruling there? I mean, I, mean, I they think they all it's have the, the same, same other company. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's like saying Google if you're talking, but but like Google, Google and YouTube, those are two. That's true. Companies they're owned by the the Alphabet company, the ABC company, or whatever they call themselves, um, and we call them separate. I'm, I'm you know what? I'm going to make an official decision uh, hereby uh, as of this moment on uh, this night, spoken by this person. Uh, we hereby grant, therefore, and in fortitude in future ways, uh, announce that 
<laughs> when when said person shall reference the company in Beaverton, Oregon, known as Nike, that if said person would like to also reference subsidiary company known as Jordan Brand, aka Air Jordan, that said companies will be mentioned separately. Let's Nike get some royalty in Jordan. here to make this official or something. <laughs> yeah, yes, can I, I need. A, can I get a lawyer in here and uh, a, a, a candle that I can light with fire and put my stamp on it? Because um, I think that's how you make things official. Um, so for the first shoe on the list uh, is the Air Jordan Six, which actually makes sense because they had that uh, a couple of colorways of the Air Jordan Six release during February. But the second shoe threw me completely for a loop, and it's the Jordan 6 Rings. First, I didn't know they were still releasing the Jordan 6 Rings. Um, and second, I didn't know that there were enough of them out there that it would be the second most popular shoe for February. Am I am I the only one in the dark about the 6 Rings here? I mean, I, I wasn't aware that it was releasing again, but, um, you know, I, I think... I think the Jordan Six Rings is kind of like a lot of those, um, you know, like there's like the sneakerhead shoes, and then there's like everyone else shoes, right? And the Six Rings mm-hmm. is kind of like across those lines. But one thing is like that that like style that's that has that Jordan Eleven look is to me is like always a win for Nike to put out because the people that aren't a hundred percent familiar with the Jordan Eleven might see it and just think, oh, cool, Jordans, you know? And it's a, you know, Sp- right. Space Jam colorway or whatever. So they're just in on that, you know, kind of note. But then there's also the the um, price point of them. You know, with the Jordan 11, you're looking at 200 plus, 225 plus. With this one, you're at 160, I think, or 165. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't, I would think that there would be more thought behind that. But maybe, Tiffany, you could give some insight into that i don't know yeah i mean i I don't know i i all i can think right now is that um well for one february is a short month so you don't get all those days that you get in the other ones right um and two it's kind of focused on valentine's day and taxes so maybe it's not a popular shoe month um because this one very surprising Uh. to me that it uh, this whole list is a little bit surprising to me to be honest um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, all Nike and Air Jordan, and and, and primarily basketball shoes, right? I mean, I guess yeah. it's split. Yeah, that's pretty true. good. But there's a lot of basketball shoes in there. Air Max, a couple Air Maxes, Air Force One, Jordan Nine, Jordan One, Six Rings, Six, Jordan One Mid Winter Eyes. Um, yeah, I, I guess I don't read too much into this. Uh, month to month selling. Not such a big deal. I don't. I don't think of February as a big collector month. I, to be honest, I didn't even look at sneakers once in February. Uh, there's just too many other things going on for me. But too many other things going on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so here's the strange thing for me. Like I feel like February is All Star. Yeah. And I felt like there would be more like All Star related sneakers in this list. Good point. But I don't. I don't see that. Like. You have the Air Jordan Six was released, but that was like, and I think I think I'm assuming this is the um, what was the name of that store? Uh, social, social, oh, social, social status. status, yeah, 
Yeah, like that's where that Air Jordan 6 comes from because everybody was trying to get their hands on that one. Um, but I don't remember an Air Jordan 9. I, nothing pops to mind of, of, you know, of an Air Jordan 9 that released that month or um, the Air Jordan 1. I feel like the Air Jordan 1 is is slowly but surely becoming that going to release whenever kind of shoe, which is everything that I want it to be. Um, if the, the Jordan 1 is always available, I will be happy. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. like sneaker of the month. Then, you can always guarantee a Jordan 1, right? Like, there's always going to be one in right. the mix. Yeah. And if you look at the yeah. six rings now, it's discounted, right? It's 147.97, which is rare to see on Nike not, you know, totally zeroed out yeah. numbers. It was originally 165. So if it was such a hit in February and it's discounted and we're, we're at the end of March... A, that means it didn't sell out, and all the colorways is st- are still available. There's some that are limited sizing, but, um, yeah, it makes me think that this is just not a big month. Yeah, you know, or, I, and, or maybe it's because it was on, maybe it was because it was discounted. Once it gets below that 150 marker, maybe people are like, oh, now I can, now I can grab a pair of these. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. I mean, so now that I think about it, like the infrared six came out the beginning of February. Right. So that's, that's the big, like, you know, the big shoe for the month by far. Um, right. But I also think that like, you know, from my experience working at, you know, finish line and working with other retailers, I don't think that, I mean, as much as I'd like to think that like my opinion as a sneakerhead is like always, you know, super valuable. And like, you know, we all kind of have this, like, Oh well, the sneakerheads do this, so that's what it means, or that's the they lead the charge. I, this really just goes to show that like it's not about sneakerheads, and you know, for most people, like the business runs on like the normal, not obsessed mm-hmm. consumer, right? They they're gonna buy whatever happens to be in front of them that they like. There could be the six rings with a Space Jam colorway. There could be the new 270 that gets you know some hype and they see the the ads like because i would think that like that's one of those shoes the 270 for instance that the campaigns to push that shoe out probably are reaching you know like non-sneakerhead consumers so yeah to me i think this kind of just shows that as much as like sneakerheads think that they're the most important piece of the puzzle they're not really like they are a piece of the puzzle but the business kind of flows like in bulk around a different group of people for a lot of these retailers and brands. Yeah. I mean, the GR releases as, as we like to call them in the sneaker world are what carry the market. Clearly. Um, if it was up to sneakerheads, you know, there would be no shoe business, um, based on the type of thing. Only the only things that we like to buy. Uh, so, it definitely, definitely makes a difference. Uh, I do want to give a shout out though to the Air Force One Low coming in at number six. Represent, represent, <laughs> because the Air Force One Low is always going to be like it's going to always be on every best-selling sneaker list for every year. Like that shoe just does not lose. It's what? What was it? When did it come out? Eighty-two. Yeah, 80, 82, 83, Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. And I- also. Uh, the Nike tangent. Oh, what were you going to say, Tiff? Well, it came out before cars were invented, practically. I mean, that, that shoe is so old that I can't even believe it's still selling. I mean, this. I mean, talk about... I mean, when you have a shoe that's invented in the 80s and it is still as big as it is now, what's that tell you about shoes? Right. Yeah. You know? So, I, like, I, I like a shout-out to the, the Tanjun. 
Is that what we decided to call it? The the tan yeah. the, the tan is it is it tan June? I like to be you know a little more um, direct and call it tan June. Um, tan June. As though I'm, with I'm tan I'm with in that. June, right? Because <laughs> I would like to be okay. tan in June. Um, <laughs> such a classic solid sneaker, sixty five bucks. This shoe is never gonna go away. I mean. It's fantastic, and, and I, I'm not surprised to see it there at all. It's so basic and so simple, and it's just at a great price point. Like, I think this is one of the best buys. If you're looking for a comfortable sneaker at a lower price point, this is your shoe. So I actually, uh, so last year, I actually bought a pair of these because I was so curious as to why so many people were buying them. And they're definitely comfortable, but, like, there's almost no rubber on the bottom of the shoe. It's that, that weird material that sometimes they use for the bottom of sneakers instead of like the rubber um it's, it's like an interesting i don't it's know called what that unit sole is. it's usually called unit sole unit so it's sole. foam that has rubber in it yeah okay that's what it is then unit sole and it's like um people just love it people love this sneaker like it's at kohl's uh i think i've seen it at sears or uh jc Penney's or something like that and you know at this price point it's an easy buy and I, I mostly see women in it, and I see them wear it with like workout clothes. It's kind of like their workout style sneaker for the woman that doesn't want to spend a lot of money, but still wants to have that sort of look. I feel like I've seen them a lot in this sneaker, um, and it's not—I mean, it's not a bad-looking sneaker, especially if you get the right colorway. I like—I really like the, the lighter colorways. I think the, when they mix like a, a lighter colorway with the, like a white swoosh, those really look nice. The ones with the like the white outsole. The yeah. black outsole ones don't look as nice to me, um, but you know maybe that's just me. But and I, th- I think it's a popular it's a popular sneaker. Yeah, definitely. I also think that like from you know just from a, an aesthetic standpoint, at sixty five dollars, that shoe looks a lot cooler at first glance than let's say like a Roshi or you know uh, something else that's going to be at that price point because like. Yeah. You know, the other shoes that you're looking at at that price point are like a Monarch or potentially like a Cortez, which look old, right? They have a very like right. d- like dated style. Not that that's out of it's in style right now, but like for the, you know, let's say the fashionable fashionable like, you know, athleisure moms, this shoe looks like it fits their outfit better than those other $65 shoes in my opinion. No, that's a that's a good call. <laughs> That's a good call. And what what was that sole unit called again, Tiffany? Um, unit sole. So it, and I don't know if that's the external name, um, but yeah. So it's on a lot of Nike Freeze. So it has rubber in it. It's a foam, but it has rubber in it, so it's a little bit more durable. Um, it could just be a an EVA too, I guess. Um, on some level, it's, it's hard to say. I don't I don't really know what they're using in that, but I know it's cheap. So it'd, it'd be surprising if it was unit sole. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, I think though, keep in mind, we were talking about in one of the previous podcasts, how, um, Payless was going out of business. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if any of these shoes have uptick since Payless has started to go out of business because, um, people aren't right, able yeah. to find the kind of lower price point shoes. That's a great point. Right. So, yeah, so they can get something like this and like, you know, and for most people that don't, you know, that aren't you know, involved in the sneaker world, seeing something like this is, you know, it gets them into the world of Nike and they don't feel like, 
oh, I'm not paying an arm and a leg for a pair of Nikes like everyone else. Because I, I would imagine to the majority of the population, a Nike is a Nike is a Nike. Like, there's no difference. Like, whether it has LeBron James' name on it or it has, like, this soft sock-like upper that's on the tangent, it's like, it's just a Nike shoe to them. You know, they don't they don't really care about anything more. So for them, you know, they're just like, oh, now I, I have Nikes now. And, yeah. you know, I'm able to get them at $65 and I'm not going to pay 150 or 160 or $200 like those crazy people uh, that like to wear those expensive <laughs> sneakers. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter that much to me. Yep. So that's, I get it. That's so funny, because that. like if you if you actually this is funny, as soon as you started talking about this, I started thinking, but if if you paid by how much effort actually went into the product to figure out the technology and figure out the fit and everything like that. Shoes are uh-huh. cheap, actually, compared to the historical information and knowledge that's kind of going into them, if you will. Um, to find a mm. pair of shoes that's $65 and fits good and is comfortable for all-day wear is actually, like, I think it's a hard challenge because that's a low price point. Oh, really? So you think it's more it's more difficult for something like that? Oh, for sure. Did I, did I, did I hear that correctly? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because cause you still expect the same fit and comfort, right? So even though Nike talks about, and not even just Nike, all the brands, they talk about this super comfortable shoe at $200, they still have to hit a level of comfort at $65 and $50, right? Like, yeah. it's not mm. like you can just abandon and put a brick under there uh, with an right. upper that doesn't matter. Right. And, and, you know, the, the lower price point shoes definitely learn from the higher price point shoes, and they learn from the history of all of it, but... I mean, making a really quality product at a lower price point is always challenging. Same with kids' shoes, right? Kids' shoes are very challenging because their price points are so low, but, you know, the consumer demands the same level of quality, construction, and technology as adult shoes. So it's it's quite challenging. It can be quite challenging. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's something that I don't think a lot of us think about is um, how the technology from older shoes kind of trickles down further and further down into the lower price shoes over the years. And like the stuff that was top tier years ago is now in like the bargain basement shoes. Um, and they're using that technology as obviously as a price of manufacturing and all that kind of stuff goes down. So you do, you do still get some of the best technology that we've seen in sneakers, but it's, it's just years after the fact. Yeah. Like if you take the technology that's in a Chuck Taylor, Right. It really hasn't changed that much. Right. Over the years, like it's, you know, a vulcanized sole, you know, maybe they put a new sock liner, maybe they've had some changes in foams. But if you take that compared to this Tanjun, you know, like I think the Tanjun, even if it's unit sole or however the midsole may, it's probably a bit more advanced and probably a bit more comfortable. Um, but that would be an interesting oh, study to actually do, you know, when I get my sneaker Mythbusters running. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what that's what I want to get going. We're, uh, for those of those in the comments, uh, tell Tiffany to get her sneaker myth busting going. <laughs> tell her to stop messing with us, teasing us with it, <laughs> teasing us. All right. Uh, and since we're talking about Nike, let's talk about some. Uh, I'm going to say the weirdest news I have heard um, when it comes to a sneaker brand. Uh, and I guess it's really not even the sneaker brand's fault. It's a lawyer's fault. So Michael Evanetti. Um, tried to extort it sounds like 20 million dollars 22.5 million dollars i think to be exact from nike uh in order for to kill basically a story 
uh, about some about them paying certain people in the college world or paying certain players in order to go to college and to go to certain colleges and all that sort of stuff. And the, 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 the I'm sorry to laugh at you, Michael, but the, the best part about all of this is that he tweeted out that he was going to expose Nike the next day at a press conference and it was going to be this big, huge deal. And then like five minutes later, the feds were at his door arresting him for extortion which is hilarious to me. Um, this guy, I mean, I just think at the end of the day, he just isn't um, a good guy. Uh, he's just, you know, he, he's, just a, he's just a bad seed, it seems like. And, like, you know, you try to give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, you want them to be good people at the end of the day. Um, but... It doesn't seem like that's the situation in this case. Uh, Avenetti, he's, he has said that he is fighting all charges, by the way. And uh, he has a statement. So I just want you guys to read this. Uh, For the entirety of my career, I have fought against the powerful, powerful people and powerful corporations. I will never stop fighting that good fight. I am highly confident that when all of the evidence is laid bare in connection with these cases, when it is all known, when due process occurs, that I will be fully exonerated and justice will be done. He also said in a tweet, he never attempted to extort Nike. When the evidence is disclosed, the public will learn the truth about Nike's crime and cover up. Now, um, I feel like he has to say that, first of all. <laughs> first of all, uh, I don't think there is anywhere for him to go outside of that. Um, but it's just, I, I'm just, just kind of blown away because there's two things to this. I guess as a, on the conspiracy side of me, there's like, Okay, maybe he did have this big story about Nike that was really going to harm them and the powers that be made a decision that was like, hey, let's take care of this in some way. Um, Again, allegedly, this is all alleged. I'm not saying this is what Nike did, but that's like the conspiracy theory. But then the other side is like, this guy is just a bad person and instead of being on the right side of things and fighting these powerful corporations, he was just trying to get money for himself and his company. Um, I don't know. Feel free to jump in here if, if I'm like going off the rails here, guys, because I, I, like, I, I want to say I don't know. I don't know which way to lean on this one. Go, go <laughs> I mean, ahead, Tiffany. I think, <laughs> I think um, it's it was I was really surprised by it just because like, this guy knows the court system fairly well, right? I mean, he he yeah. has to know the law system and the court system fairly well. So just knowing by tweeting that, he had to know, like, this had to be part of a plan, right? I, I don't feel like any right. of this was not fully part of his plan. Um, so it kind of makes me wonder why he would have posted the tweets then. I mean, I, I I don't know. It's so it's such a strange dynamic to me, the whole thing. And and why would you say that so abruptly and so grossly when you know if you're wrong? I mean, there's so much trouble you're in. There's so much, right? So 
Right. I just yeah. like I, I don't know. I don't know which side of it to be on either. You know, I, I would have thought when when the uh, other NCA investigations were happening, they would have uncovered if, you know, because they they found Adidas at fault, you know, for whatever. I, I believe they investigated Nike, too, at the same time. Um, and so it's just like, did they did they not find anything there or did they, you know, like I would have thought it would have came out then. But um he makes it seem like there's there's more to the story, and I just assume that someone who's this bold with it has a pocket full of evidence. Because why yes. else would you? Why would you? Why would you bother? So after after he came out um, from being arrested, he tweeted out like receipts supposedly showing with withdrawals and payments to, um, at least in the story that I was looking at was. Bull Bull and DeAndre Ayton and you know it was like $10,000 but then he goes on to say that that there were you know cash transactions that weren't accounted for and what I think is really fascinating about it is the the approach that he took to it is absolutely insane like he as you said earlier Tiffany he's one of those people that's familiar with the law and the courts and I mean why go about it this way Uh, that's the part I don't it's just like I'm dumbfounded by that yeah I mean maybe it follows the university things that are going on right all the um, famous people that paid to have their kids and maybe he thought that was going to drive oh yeah I forgot about that yeah right you know maybe maybe I mean here here I mean I guess here's an angle too it's maybe it's both Maybe he does have a bunch of evidence that Nike has been doing something wrong. And maybe he was also... Yeah. Uh, going for it. I don't want to say stupid. Uh, yeah. yeah. He was trying to go for it. And like, instead of doing this, hey, let me, see, <clears throat> let me see if I can get some money out of this. And making a, name, making a bad name for himself. Because, I mean, I guess the reality of it is he won't really benefit from it if he exposes nike there's really no benefit to him in a sense like he doesn't like financially there's no benefit to him um unless he you know i guess it it may it helps him pick up clients or something i guess yeah but i don't know i mean maybe he already has clients right yeah yeah maybe so i mean you know the the easiest solution to save all the hassle and all the drama and all the coverage that comes from this is just paying college athletes to play that's true <laughs> that's true well that's a that's an entirely different conversation in a different podcast yeah. um that oh uh, <laughs> i think i think everyone would agree that that would definitely change a lot and uh stop a lot of this sort of stuff that's going on all the payments that are happening under the table because i think everybody under you know pretty much understands at this point that there's money being there's money moving at some point in this world and um like the ncaa just can't continue to collect this mounds and mounds of money and let these athletes go yeah. without being paid especially when they're making so much money for the ncaa and for all of these schools um i, I did a little research into the story and even like stormy daniels has like distanced herself from him and and I, you know what that's that's very biased by me saying even stormy daniels i'll just say stormy daniels distanced herself from him as well um she's saying that he 
has been extremely dishonest and that there'll be more announcements to come even from her about this and that she'll withhold regarding withhold further public comment about Mr. Avenetti and like it seems like I'm saddened but not shocked by what happened so you know if if you know one of his former clients is able to speak you know with with that sort of honesty that you know she's saddened by it but not shocked by it you know that 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 to me kind of reveals a bit about his character um i think uh he he may he just may be a bad lawyer he just may be a bad a bad seed in the bunch and you know that's the truth of it but you know Shouldn't hopefully skip it'll those all classes he missed those important classes and now he's confused about how yep. law works yeah <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's confused about how the law works. Maybe maybe Lady him and Lady Justice are are at odds right now. Uh, but uh, speaking of being at odds, um, the next story we have here is almost as ex- I would say even more explosive than the Michael Avenatti Nike stuff. Uh, Avenatti, Avenatti, Avenatti. Yeah, we're gonna go with Avenatti. Uh, it's Lonzo Ball and the Big Baller brand. Um, this one. This one stings a little bit for me, um, and but and, and I'll let you guys talk about it. But I, I but I'll, I'll I'll give the audience, which I'm sure they know most of it right now, Lonzo Ball and the Big Baller brand are um, going their separate ways. It seems that one of the co-owners of Big Baller brand, um, a friend of Lonzo Ball's father, who uh, helped start the company, um, is reportedly stole 1.5 million dollars uh his name is alan foster he's one of the co-founders and it has since then um lonzo has distanced himself completely from the brand and it's it's like the biggest news in the world right now and we're all everyone i think everyone's really trying to get a grip on it and understand exactly what's going on um but I feel like there's multiple levels to this story. So I'm going to go ahead and toss this one over to Nick and just get your thoughts about it and kind of fill us in on what, on what you know so far. Uh, I mean, it's so hard to really know, like, what happened, what, what's actually going on, because it's all, you know, I feel like I feel like there's obviously like a wedge between the kids and the dad. And I think this kind of personally... Lavar was always so over the top that it's not really a surprise to me that he's kind of on his own in this whole relationship when it comes to the brand and, and like the kids playing and stuff. Um, yeah, because he was just so over the top that you almost, you almost knew that it had to come to something crazy like this. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, it's family stuff and I think family stuff happens all the time, but the, the guy, the the f- business manager, uh, Alan Foster, I think is like the root of all the headache, right? And to me, the the little that I've read on the story is that he already was busted for stuff anyway. So um, why would Lavar even, you know, you already know this guy's track record of of scamming people and and stealing from people. So why bother? bringing him on to be a part of the business, even if it's a small percentage, right? Like if he has access to that stuff, he's already proven who he is or what, what his character is. So you almost knew that that was coming too. And I just feel like, you know, I, I was, 
I've been impressed by Big Baller Brand in the sense of being able to create a buzz around something that really didn't deserve it, in my opinion. Like, I think Lonzo Ball is a, an incredible athlete. I think he would be a, you know, mid-level, hyper-dunk-wearing Nike athlete. But I don't think he's like a signature mm-hmm. athlete. I don't think he's driving a ton of sales. Like, I mean, in L.A., you can go into any Ross and Marshalls and pick up his jersey for 20 bucks. So um, I, I think that he's a lot of energy for the team. But, like, the big baller brand, I don't think you can support the $500 price point or all of the stuff that they were pushing and actually make a legitimate business out of it by really just selling you know t-shirts um and that to me is like the the weirdest part of this whole thing it's almost like if i'm lavar and i have kids that are going into the league my first thought is let them let them do their thing i mean i get that they were trying to do something innovative and push the envelope and i respect that but by doing that you also created or took away a lot of opportunities for lonzo to establish himself with a brand and become that, you know, I think of like Paul George and like it took Paul George a little bit of time to get to the point of having his own signature. And maybe Lonzo could have had that had he not had this, you know, talking head father going on ESPN in front of him all the time. Yeah, I think it's I mean, I, I kind of don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm not entirely surprised, um, but I, I feel like I feel for Lonzo, you know, because he's. You know, he's having to put a stake in the ground with his family. And I, I never like yeah. to see that, right? You know, and, and right. so that I feel like that's that's sad on, on some level. On, on another, like, his his whole career, the beginning of his career at least, was um, colored by this BBB, right? Their brand, you know, and, and bringing up a shoe brand. And, like, instead of just focusing on basketball, you know, that was maybe on some level a distraction or an a, additional pressure that maybe these kids didn't really need you know like that's that's why like i think you never see a signature shoe too early in someone's career um yeah you know because they need to establish themselves they need to get used to the situation they're they're dealing with so much that first year and those first two years and in big ball and in nfl nba any of them that um Man, I would feel like the shoe thing was just a distraction, you know. And I, I think it also, you know, they don't, they don't know the business. It's very hard to build a footwear brand and build it big. Like you can't just build a Nike or Adidas or Puma overnight. These are decades, decades of trial and error, of right. thousands and thousands of styles to get to where these guys are. Like that is not to be taken lightly, um, mm-hmm. not at all. I mean, some of the questions I get about like. You know, people starting brands and stuff, they they just have no clue what they're in for. Um, and so yeah. I, I'm kind of proud of him on some point. You know, if this is accurate, the story is accurate and this is what happened. Yeah, I mean, he should he should step away and focus on himself and take care of himself. And, uh, you know, he's a talented kid, you know, so he could he could definitely probably be with one of the other brands. I mean, what do you guys think about the rumors of him going to Nike? So, so that is, is interesting. Um, I think, I think Lonzo has a lot of opportunity ahead of him. And, um, I think signing to Nike, uh, is obviously like every kid's dream. And so like, I think 
I think that's what everyone expects of him. So I would just, I would uh, almost want to see him, you know, just kind of step away from everything right now and just not immediately brand himself in a certain kind of way. Um, allow allow all this to kind of go away. Like, like for me, like, I, I like the idea of, I like the idea of big baller brand. Like I'm not, I'm not opposed to him re resurrecting big baller brand in some way without this guy, Alan Foster. Like if his, you know, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe his dad didn't know, like I, I still want him to to maintain that family business. I think there is a value to that, and I think it's um, I think it sets a precedent for other athletes to see what options they have, um, especially when things are done right. Um, I mean, I think we all know Big Baller Brand just it just didn't feel premium, and a lot of that had to do with like obviously the logo, which was terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, compare it to Under Armour. Which one's yeah. better? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I, I think I'm partial to Under Armour just because I, I, I'm familiar with it. Uh, but the Big Baller brand, I felt like it was the Better Business Bureau every time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> um, but like, I feel like there's there's an opportunity there if they had the right people in place. Like, like it could be something bigger and something that could really you know, help change the landscape of for college athletes when they go to the pros and set almost set a template for them. Um, not not everyone's going to be able to create their own brand. And um, they were able to do that and get it recognized throughout the world. Like as much as we, you know, we like to make jokes about LeVar, he he brought big ball to brand into the living rooms of, you know, of the American public. And that's that's a hard thing to do. There's companies out there that spend millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they're not able to do that. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean? So there's, you know, if he could, if there's some way for them to, and even if it's not big baller brand, whether they they just come back as you know Ball Family Enterprises or whatever, it, whatever it's <laughs> the, BFE. Be. Uh, <laughs> the BFE, BFE, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know ball family worldwide I don't know I don't know what they're going to call it BFW you know Um, I feel like there's an opportunity you know I just feel like there's still an opportunity there for him Um, like Lonzo's a good player uh, you know and and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Laker fan like I I think he's a good player and he can if he can establish his own presence and this gives them opportunity to kind of separate from all of the past things that have happened with the brand if all he has to do is launch a brand and it's going to be in the headlines just because yeah. of who he is and everything that's kind of gone on with yeah. him. So he gets the right people in place and does things the right way. He can easily say, oh, okay, Z- you know, the ZO brand, Zoe, Zoe sneakers or whatever he wants to call it. Um, there's a huge opportunity there. And I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want him to sign with Nike uh, more than I want him to kind of, you know, if you're stepping out on your own, really go ahead and step out on your own and continue continue on the path that, that was started by your father. Maybe he didn't do it the right way or, or go the right direction, but there, there may be an opportunity for him to put the right people in place and continue that 
that dream or continue that uh, that path, but in a way that works better for him as an individual. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, I think I I I mean so going back to like Lavar and his ability to get the like awareness out there, you know, I think it's just because he's the one and only person that can beat Michael Jordan one on one, right? True. So, I True. mean, at that w- once you're at that level, then everything's easy, I, I would assume. But, um, <laughs> um, I, I do think that, like, what I when I was reading, so there's a, a few things that I was going to point out. I found it interesting that there was like some report that said that all the all three of the boys, all three of the guys, um, all the, the the sons had unfollowed Big Baller Brand on social and kind of disconnected from it. Um, but then when I was reading one of the articles, Lonzo owned 51%. The mom and dad were at like 16.3 or whatever. And then uh, Alan was at 16.3 as well or, or in that range. Um, so technically, Lonzo's owned the whole thing, you know, you know has, has enough ownership to be the decider in all of the you know situations that come up so to that point oh. to that point i really do hope that he takes some time off about it just to think about that possibility right because you know right now he might be frustrated and want to distance himself from the brand from the family like that kind of stuff happens but like you said there's there's been a lot of success like big baller brand you know i don't know how it is around the rest of the country or around the world but like you almost can't go anywhere in LA without seeing Big Baller Brand somewhere in a day. And that to me has a lot of value to it. If he's willing to be patient about it and feel out how it can work. But I also totally understand if he just jumps to Nike, right? He's a he's a Laker fan, he's a Kobe fan, and you know, with LeBron on his team in his ear, that would be such an easy transition to say Big Baller Brand is over, you know, we start fresh next season or what, whenever that is. Um, but what, what I really think is fascinating is, like, the kind of camaraderie between the three sons and how, obviously, like, LeVar has, like, positioned himself on the opposite side of that. So if you think about it, like, I'm, a, I'm making a big assumption because obviously you don't know the financials of everything, but like I would assume that Lonzo's opportunities in the NBA and the previous opportunities that they talked about before Big Baller Brand came out where supposedly he'd had a deal, you know, multi-million dollar deal with Nike on the table, multi-million dollar deal with Adidas on the table. I would assume that he's like, quote, the breadwinner within the family. And that to me is even more like even more powerful i guess is the right way to put it where you could really define like you said whatever it, whether that's big baller brand again or whether that's you know bfe or zo or any of those things that he wants like he could easily take charge of that and you know at least as of right now he's the he's the the, the face of the family regardless of how you know lavar goes out and you know gets espn time or how well the other brothers play 
he's the one that has right. the spotlight. And with LeBron in L.A., as long as the two of them are in L.A., he's always going to have a much bigger spotlight on him than anybody else in the family. Right. No, that's accurate. That's true. Until one of the mother brothers make it to the NBA, he's going to be the dude. He's going to be the dude. So uh, I think at the end of the day for me, um, more importantly, I think, is like I just hope the family is good um, yeah. at the end of the day. You know, money money can easily come between people. And at the end of the day, like my biggest hope is that the family, the ball family is good the ball family makes it through this and that this doesn't do anything to affect the family relationship um out you know money can do strange strange things and and if really this guy alan foster is the outlier um you know i i, I imagine his father has distanced himself from him um and you know made his peace made peace with his son and you know and, and they're, that they're working through that which I think is the most important thing. Luckily, Lonzo isn't playing right now because of his ankle. Um, so that, you know, he doesn't have to worry about bringing all of this extra drama onto the court and affecting his career. Um, so I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, but he's, his father vowed to make it right with Lonzo. So hopefully that's that's what's going to happen. And, you know, LaMelo and Joe yeah, hopefully don't have so. to bear the brunt of this or deal with that either. So that's the hope. So those are my thoughts. Those are our thoughts. That's what we're thinking here on the Outside the Box podcast. Um, of course, of course, of course, we want to know what you guys think. What do you think about the Lonzo Ball situation with Big Baller Brand, with his father, Lavar? What do you think LaMelo should do? What do you guys think Jello should do? Let us know in the comments, either here on uh, YouTube or on the podcast or on Instagram or on the Twitters. Um, and uh, also, I'm going to say I'm a little disappointed. I was expecting to get more relationship questions <laughs> here on the uh, Outside the Box podcast. And they have been few and far between. Um, and I'm going to take that in one of two ways. One, either my advice so far has been so good that you guys don't need it that often and that it's just, it just permeates uh, through the atmosphere and through the universe <laughs> Uh, it's just like a good vibe that goes everywhere. Or two, um, you just don't want Bay to know that you're asking me <laughs> for advice. So uh, one of those two has to be what it is and the reason why we're not getting relationship questions. So I just want to put it out there. We'll keep you anonymous. Don't worry about Bay finding out. Um, but the, the information we give here on the show, mine in particular, is probably the best you're going to get. Um, so just putting that out there. Um, as always, I am Jacques Slade. Uh, this is the Outside the Box podcast. You can find me at Kusto, K-U-S-T-O-O. That's all over the internet. That's on Bumble. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. That's on Snap. That's on Grindr. Uh, that's on WhatsApp. That's on Facebook. And uh, I think it's even on TikTok uh, <laughs> as soon as I find out how to use it. Um, but again, this show would not be what it is without the two fabulous, fabulous people we have here on the show. Nick, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Uh, Nick Ingvall, at Nick Ingvall on all platforms. N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L. I also have a site called Sneaker History. It's at Sneaker History on all platforms. But um, 
that's really about it. I stick to the basics of social. Uh, Jacques, Jacques likes to get a little crazy, so um, I, I can't. I'm out yeah. here. I'm out here. I'm, I'm not that. I'm not out there like that. So, um, but uh, <laughs> more importantly, Tiffany, let them know how they can find you. <laughs> not on any of those sites. Um, I'm on just Instagram and YouTube, and barely. So. Uh, Tiffany Beers, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-B-E-E-R-S. And I don't know, Jacques, I think we're going to have to cancel the spinoff relationship podcast. I mean, I, I just think there's not enough interest. What do you think? See, that, see and, that, and that hurts. That hurts. Uh, I was really hoping, um, you know, the, see, here's the thing, guys. We were going to do this. We do Outside the Box podcast. Um, we were going to do another show called Open Your Heart with Jacques Slade and is but if we don't get enough relationship questions I don't know if we I don't know if open your heart is going to work so I need you you might have to talk about sneakers (laughs) so I need you guys to submit your questions um I I get it It's, it's it's really good it's it's really good I'm just listen it's good all you have to do is open your heart and trust. <laughs> and that's what I'm here for. <laughs> all right, guys. As always, we appreciate you. Make sure you leave us comments and all of that good stuff. Outside pods all over the Internet. Uh, I'm Jacques Slade with Nick Ingvall and Tiffany Beers. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.